I am Jay Dillon Proctor, and I want to thank you for being with us today. And I want to talk to you about saving our culture. I'm really excited about where our culture can go. And if we're going to move our culture to a better place, we're going to have to be people of moral integrity. If we do not get on the front end of where our culture is going, it's going to turn into purgatory, if not something much worse. We have to get on the front end of our culture. The church really has to say we're not going to concede things. We're not going to concede truth. We're not going to concede morality. We're going to be people who are on the forefront of, of structuring our culture. So a few thoughts just to begin this off is we do not save our culture through activism or by groupthink, but we save our culture by being transformed by, by Christ's message. We, we take the transformation of Christ and being convicted as individual, being convicted on Christ's moral terms is how we are going to, to bring salvation back to our, our culture. So we need to get back to the moral standards which God has called us to, and that is how we're going to, to set a better course for the future. However, if I just come in here and say, setting the course for the future based on God's moral standards, there's a big problem which can emerge. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Um, there are many people in our world, and this is a big problem, who will come in and try to tell you how you should be convicted. There will be people who they pick and choose different aspects of Christianity. They pick and choose different elements of language, and they say, if you're, you're really a Christian, you'll do this. They, they prey on the Christian virtues and the Christian standards to manipulate people. And this is a big problem. This is evil. This is the, the problem of sophistry. And for those who may not be familiar with the language of sophistry, sophistry is language which sounds true, but actually isn't. Um, basically, sophistry is, is the, the half lies and things which go on in the world. Um, it's when people are being politically correct. Political correctness is a form of sophistry. It's when something sounds good and it's soft. It's sort of the soft language which sounds good, but is actually um, not very accurate to reality. Sophistry is very much kind of like incomplete truths and half lies. I mean, you know, something can be true in one single regard and in some sort of way is true, but in every other way it's not. Yeah, it's not true to the sentiment of reality. It's just inaccurate. Um, so I want to give you some examples of this. And this is times when language has been manipulated. And just to be back to the, to the main theme of this message, we're going to save our culture with moral integrity and not being people who misuse language, who aren't sophists. So let me give you some examples of this so you can relate to, to the word sophistry. Again, sophistry itself can turn into sophistry if you've never um, heard of it. So one really good example is when people have overinvested in language in something like a, a phone contract. Say you want to go out and get a cell phone. We pretty much all here in 2018 or whatever the, the year may be, we all have cell phones. We go out and we buy them. But say something happens, you see there's a better service provider, and you say, well, I want to end my, my contract with this company and go to another one, and you find out they're going to charge you to, to cancel your, your contract. You know, this is an example where they have invested in language to make something happen which is different from the sentiment of what you are after. Again, nobody wants to go and say, I want to be obliged to this company for all eternity. I'm coming here because I want a good product. I want to have phone service. But yet the, the phone companies, uh, again, I don't like to use hypotheticals. I like to use real-world experiences. I can imagine that many of us have dealt with this. When you want to change carriers and they want to charge you cancellation fees, this is the time where the company has invested heavily in language to do something with the, the consumer that is different than really what the consumer was wanting. And there will be a lot of people who will say, well, this is the problem with the free market. Actually, no, this is not very free market Esque as much as this is mafia-esque. Um, when the mafia comes in and says, well, 
it'd be a great shame if you you were to go in and go to a different company. We would have to to use a little bit of muscle and come over there and charge you some extra fees. You know, that's that's not free market behavior. That's not someone saying we're going to offer you the best possible product in the hopes that you'll purchase it. That is mafia behavior, which says we're going to slip something in behind and and give a little bit of muscle to get the behavior we want. Um, another, another example that I like. Yeah. Um, so one of my little sisters, she's nine, wrote something about another one of my little sisters who's four, and she wrote that my sibling is stupid, but she forgot the T. So whenever we found it, we asked her, why did you write this? Why did you write that your sister is stupid? And she said, I didn't write that my sister is stupid. I wrote that my sister is Cupid. And obviously... I mean, I did it as a child. Most people did. Will children will manipulate language like that, and they'll be like, "Well, this is this is obviously some sort of other mistake that you're not accounting for." And so, and it's even funnier because it wasn't written in print; it was written in cursive. So the S is shaped nothing like an accidental C. Yeah, and and that's the thing with with sophistry, is you can have something which is, as far as the language is concerned, it's correct, it's true, and the incident there with the the little sister, the word stupid without the T is all as close to the word cupid, just with one again in both cases it's just one word away. But obviously anybody looking at that you can see through it. Um, the sentiment is is one thing, but people are trying to portray something else. Another great example where where language does not match reality. Um, when I was paying for grad school, I was doing this by by being a realtor, and. There are different rules and different regulations for different loans that are out there. And I was working this particular deal where we got ready to close and there was a a porch which didn't have the hand railing. And it was a variation of like two inches. It was it was just two inches away from the height. And so how do we get this fixed before closing? Um and I probably shouldn't say this online, but we someone went over there and sort of raked up the mud over there and uh, not the mud, but the mulch right next to the porch. And the appraiser was over there and was like, oh, it's in spec now. Um, did anything really change in reality? No. But because you could meet sort of the requirements on paper without actually changing reality, you can manipulate the outcome of things. And this is one of the, the times where, where language can really be, be different from reality. Um, it's a problem. People can manipulate language and try to hide reality, and that's that's something which is really quite bad. A big problem is whenever people who control language and have too much power or are activists, like the news, for instance, or whenever people equate hate speech with violence. And one of my favorite instances that I've read about is a professor who posted a note on his doorway that said that microaggressions justify macroaggressions, micro being smaller, macro being larger. And the terminology is supposed to mean like microaggression is verbal, where macro is actually physical. And, you know, that's just absolutely ridiculous. But I think it's interesting that they use completely different words. Yeah, and to that point, the things that they're calling microaggressions don't even have to be intentional. In other words, somebody can do something, and if you just so decide, well, I can interpret this as, as violence against me, even though it's quite clearly not violence – but once people have manipulated language enough to say that you can justify calling that violence, then you can respond with physical violence, and it's a terrible evil. Um, it, it really is a great evil. 
Um, and the one of the things which I think is so interesting is is having a bias in the world is really not a problem, um, so long as that is balanced with reality. Biases are only problems when when people who are sharing information are concealing reality, where they're pretending there's some sort of hidden knowledge. Uh, of course, in the church, we understand there's a heresy called Gnosticism, this notion of hidden knowledge. Um, it's okay that people have different worldviews. It's okay that people have different understandings of things. Uh, by no stretch of the imagination do do we have it all sorted out in life. But the the problem comes is when somebody says, "Well, I'm going to be an activist. I'm going to be an activist for this cause," and Again, it's not just being any activist. It's being a, a language-based activist where you say, I'm going to, to tell a story, and I'm going to conceal reality from people. And if people try to see what is actually going on, I'm going to, to have some sort of literary or rhetorical device to shut that down. So I'm going to have a story to help shut this down, or I'm going to have something to hide reality from people. That's a very bad thing. It's a very evil thing. And if we're going to save our culture, we must be, be people who say, we're going to accept the transformation of Christ we're gonna we're going to be transformed members of the kingdom of God, and we are going to to push back against sophistries. See, so many times the church has been like, "Well, we'll concede this. It's not a big issue. We've we've looked at things and said, well, we're not going to fight that battle. It's okay. People are just wanting to be politically correct. The language it sounds nice. It's sanitized to use that language. Why not um, just let people have their their sanitary language? But the problem is, is that the motive behind it is quite unsanitary and is quite evil." Um, this notion that that language can have some sort of hidden knowledge, the hidden um, reality behind it, this is this is a heresy, and it's a recycled evil. It's not even anything new or original. And on that note, let's take a few moments and go look at the Gospel of John, because there's something I want to share with you from that. Um, in the Gospel of John, at the time when they they crucified Jesus, the the religious leaders who were there. Um, who again, they don't represent all the Jews for any stretch of the imagination. I don't even think they represent all of the, the Jewish mob, which is there to kill Jesus. I think a lot of the people who are in this sort of mob mentality really have no idea what's going on. Um, this is sort of what happens when you get involved with a, a mob behavior. You can be led without really any rational thought. But I want us to look at the crucifixion in John chapter 19, and this is verses 19, so John nineteen nineteen. Um, where Pilate writes an inscription to go on the cross. And it says, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put on the cross, it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Verse 20, Many of the Jews read this inscription, for this is the place where Jesus was crucified, near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather write, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, I have written what I have written. All right, so that's a real short story, but it's so important because this is a recycled evil. This We're going to manipulate reality by controlling language. The, the Jews who here are the, the chief priests, the people who are the Jewish leaders, who are part of this mob, again, it, it blows me away. If they, They're the chief priests. They could have debated Jesus. They could have dealt with this many other ways than resorting to, to this primal mob behavior. But nonetheless, they want to hide the merits of Jesus' ministry. They want to hide the, the testimony of Christ. They want to hide the very logos of God. And they're trying to do that using language. If we can sanitize the language, we can control the narrative. Um, we can control how people think. And that's what they're trying to do. Of course, Jesus never goes around saying, I'm the king of the Jews. He doesn't go around touting this. He's by no stretch of the nation. Um, any figure like Herod 
who goes around and touts this. But instead, this is how other people have, have given this name to Jesus. But they're trying to twist reality. Again, they don't want Jesus out doing ministry. They want him dead on a cross where they can control the language about Jesus. They don't want anybody to hear Jesus' message. They want to be the ones who, who hide Jesus' message, and they tell you what Jesus said. So if you learn anything from this, whenever people are trying to hide information, they want to be the ones who share information with you. Um, we see this all the time in the, the news media. They they think that journalists, which not all journalists, but there's a lot that think that they're the ones who, who it's their duty to give you information. You shouldn't go out and get it yourself. They want to be the arbiters of that. It's a dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. Um, we need we need multiple sources to information because if there's just a few um, people can manipulate language, they can conceal reality, and functionally they can become heretics. Uh, they can have the hidden hidden knowledge and be the the heresy of Gnosticism. But we as Christians, and I challenge you, if you have not accepted Christ into your life, um, please send me a message and we'll have a conversation about it. Um, accepting. Christ transformation, being somebody who is a transformed individual in the kingdom, being part of the, the great body that we are as the church, we understand that through our moral integrity, we can take our culture to a better place. And that's really what we must do. Always be suspicious of people who invest in narratives, people who are hypersensitive of narratives. They want to have the wording just right. They want to say, well, you've got to articulate just as well. You want to have sanitized language you go out in public. Um, be leery of these people. It's important to be of good speech, and you must be decent in your behavior, but never be somebody who invests in language and how you talk about the world without actually investing in the world. If you're somebody who, who is out saying, what can I do to my, better myself? I want to be more, more articulate. I want to be more well-read. I want to be better in speech. That's great, but we mustn't allow ourselves to care more about what we say than what we do. We must balance what we say with what we do. Our actions still communicate a lot at the end of the day. Language is a medium. Language is a tool, and it's an extraordinarily powerful tool, but we can never let language itself become the, the ends to our, our... It can never be an end goal in and of itself. So with that, I really thank you for spending time with us today. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you want to do anything to support our, our program, the, the podcast here or the video series, please just subscribe to our YouTube channel. That will help us out tremendously. You can go to YouTube, do a search for Kingdom of the Logos. We really need as many subscribers as we can get. Um... You can follow us on Facebook. Of course, you can follow me at J. Dylan Proctor on Twitter. You can follow us so many different places, and, and we would appreciate the support. And also, another thing that can help us out, if you, you leave us some comments, um, give us some feedback on the material, if you can leave that online. I know a lot of people send me texts and things that know me personal, but just leaving some online feedback to the stuff really helps us out. And on that, do have the transformation of Christ in your life. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in, in building your own moral architecture. And with that, have a blessed day.